I'm here with our next-gen team, next-gen kids, next-gen students, and the uh, Student Central, uh, just to talk about why community is important to the students that they serve. And so, guys, let's just kind of start there. Why is community so important to those students? The phrase, it takes a village to raise a child, comes to mind. Mm -hmm. And I think that the church is part of that village. And children's ministry, we try to create just different opportunities for the kids to connect with people through their faith in Jesus. Yeah. So when they move into middle school, Grant, uh, why, is, why is community important for middle schoolers? Well, I think middle schoolers are going through such an interesting time in their life. In Matthew chapter 4, like we read that like Jesus is tempted in the desert. I think it's such an interesting time that the devil chooses to tempt Jesus because he's alone. He's not with anybody. Um, and that is the time that he thinks that he's going to be able to get Jesus in his most vulnerable state. And so, you know, life has so many beautiful aspects of it, so many great things that we can appreciate, but it also has its hard and tough moments. Um, and we want to guide students through, like, what does that look like to carry each other's burdens and just walk with Christ? And so we do that through community and, and helping each other out through those times. Yeah. Yeah. In high school, students get uh, into sports and different activities. They get real specialized and sometimes get real segregated almost into those different groups. And they only hang out with those students and it's real easy for them to just spend all their time with them. And so when we come to the church, I want this to be a place where it's different. So everything from our game to our welcome, trying to be intentional and not just let the students stay in their groups that they are. I mean, even when we eat a meal together, uh, trying to mix up the tables there because it's really easy for the different groups to just sit at their tables and never interact. We really want this to be one, one solid group, one community, um, not full of different cliques and different little groups bouncing around there. We want them to really feel like they're just one body of Christ. Yeah, yeah so how do you guys help the students that you serve experience that community? In Sherwood Kids, we do that in different ways by providing um, different opportunities for them to practice the spiritual disciplines with small group leaders, with each other, and then like have worship experiences and serving opportunities. Yeah. Good. Great. I think a lot of it has to do as well with like our volunteers and just the, the culture that they set, welcoming students in. We want just all of our groups to have at least one adult leader and maybe one to two student leaders, high school or college age, helping out with middle schoolers. Mm -hmm. And so they're experiencing older people of all walks of life and then younger people who are just a little bit further along yeah. than them. We also have low barrier events where students can invite their friends to something that's a little less churchy, but still fun and, and just, it gets them in the church and, and connected and so. Kind of that first point of community. For sure. For them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's good. Matt, you guys do something really cool. Uh, in, in high school ministry with, you know, having an adult leader, a college leader, you know, student. Yeah, we'd love a few more guy volunteers, but on the yeah, female, over in the girls, we have a mom, a young 20-something just out of college, and a college leader for each of those grades, and that's really cool for them to get to experience the wisdom and the experience of the different ages and the different ranges of those, of those adults that can come and, and speak into their lives. You guys, thanks for everything that you're doing, all the ways that you're serving students here and helping them uh, connect in community. I love our next-gen ministries uh, and just the way that they serve kids, middle schoolers, high schoolers, and, and show them the importance of not just connecting with the Father who loves them, who has saved them through Jesus, who can fill them with the Holy Spirit to, to give them the power to live that life, uh, but, but also the way that they are helping students connect with 
one another. And I think that there is so much value. It does not matter how young you are or how old you are. There is so much value and it is so important that we connect with one another. It is part of how we have been designed. It is part of how we've been made. And that's what we're going to be talking about uh, today. This last week, I had a blessing to, to be able to uh, spend the week with my covenant group. Uh, I've been a part of a pastor's covenant group for the last uh, five years now, three of those years as a member, the last two years uh, getting to, to lead my own group. And uh, there was somebody that uh, hooked us up with a place out in Evergreen, Colorado. And so we were out in this beautiful area, uh, getting to hike and explore and run, uh, spending the, the week with these guys. And if you've been around for a few years, you may recognize uh, the, the goober there in the green jacket. That is John Muffler. He served here as uh, one of our high school ministers for, uh, for several years. Uh, John's a part of my group. It's just great to be able to connect with him. And, and this, this pastor's covenant group, uh, our, our kind of rhythm that we're on is once a month we connect on a Zoom call uh, and then twice a year we do a spiritual retreat. We, we get away and, and the sole purpose of the group we say is soul care. We don't want to lose our souls while leading the church and caring for the souls of others and unfortunately there is story after story after story of ministers who have done that and we don't want to be a statistic. We want to finish strong. We want to love our families and the church well. And, and so we gather together to encourage one another and challenge and love and support one another, all with this desire to be better followers of Jesus, better husbands, better fathers, and better leaders for the church. And this guy named Alan Algram, who kind of started these groups, he, he says this, everyone needs a track to run on and a team to run with. Every single one of us need a destination. We need some place that we are passionate about going. And we need people that are willing to go there with us. Who's that for you? Who's that for you? Who is the person that is running the journey of life and the journey of faith with you? Who's that 2 a.m. friend that we all need? That, that you know that you can call any time uh, of any day and as long as their phone's not on like sleep mode or do not disturb, they're going to pick it up. <laughs> they're going to come and give you a hand. Who's the person that's walking with you through life who, who is celebrating the things? Like when, when something good happens in your life, it's like something good happened in their life and vice versa. But it's also the person that is helping you carry your burdens who's with you through thick and thin, the ups and the downs, the joys and the pain. And I think deep down, all of us desire friends and community like that. We desire to know others and be known, to love others for who they are and to be loved for who we are and yet, and yet also challenged lovingly at the same time to be more than we are, to be more like Jesus. And I think that the reason we desire this kind of community is because God has baked it into our DNA. It is, it is how he created us. God created us in community. 
Genesis 1.26 said, Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. Let us make mankind in our image. Do you hear the plural language here? God has always existed in community through the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Community is deeply rooted in the nature of God. But listen, because we are made in his image, because we are made imago Dei, that community that is deeply rooted in God is also deeply rooted in every single one of us. Part of God's image on us is that we were made to be in community with others. This desire is wrapped up the core of who we are. And it's not just this desire, it is also this need for others that we have. You go forward to the next chapter in, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. It says, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. This passage is, is typically used to refer to marriage, but I think it's, I think it's so much more meaningful than, than just that relationship. It, it means we're not meant to be alone, period. Whether we have a spouse or, or we have those close friends, it is not good for us to be alone. And what I find interesting about this passage is that God spoke these words before the fall. God spoke these words in a, in a time when there was nothing that separated God from Adam. They were in perfect relational harmony. And yet God still said it is not good for it just to be the two of us. It's not good for Adam to go at it alone without someone else coming alongside of him. And so this God who <clears throat> created us in community also created us for community. He created us to deeply and intimately connect with others. It is rooted in our nature. And what I found as a pastor over the last 22 years is as much as we desire community, there is also something in us that pushes against it, that keeps others at arm's length. So at the end of Genesis 2, we find Adam and Eve and God living and moving in perfect unity and harmony with one another. In fact, chapter 2 closes by, by saying that Adam and Eve were both naked and yet they felt no shame. It's this picture of fully knowing each other, of nothing in between them, nothing separating or dividing them. It is the purest form of community and connection that anyone could experience. But then the fall happens in Genesis chapter 3. Sin and brokenness enter into the world. And the very first thing that Adam and Eve do is hide. They hide from each other and they hide from God. And this perfect community that they once shared is now broken and shattered by sin. And there is strife in between them. And we have been living with that strife, with that animosity ever since. We experience the same thing in our life that they did. Sin and brokenness separate us from each other. Even though there is this deep desire within us to connect. To be known and fully known. We want to be close to others. 
but we're afraid of being rejected and so we don't put ourselves out there. Instead, we hold back. We want to love and be loved, but we're afraid of getting too close and being burned or being betrayed. And we're afraid of these things, I, I think. In my experience in life and again and, and just walking with people, I think that most of us, if not all of us, are afraid of these things because we've been burned before. We've been hurt before. We've been betrayed or rejected before, all of us. You don't have to walk through life for very long before someone that you trusted, a friend, stabs you in the back, says something about you that just didn't feel fair. And and what happens is we put up our guard. We push people away. We we go into self-preservation mode. And what's interesting is that social sciences has discovered that the part of our brains that that kind of where this pain goes into, it's the same category that our minds put um, physical pain and and trauma like a broken bone or slamming your car, your finger into, into a car door. Like that kind of pain, our body and our minds experience it the same way as the pain of relational brokenness and betrayal and hurt. And in trying to protect ourselves from feeling that pain, again, many of us isolate. Maybe, maybe not physically isolate, but we emotionally isolate. We have our guard up. And we push away. And so there's this battle in us between wanting to experience community that we were created for, and yet at the same time being a little afraid of that kind of vulnerability. And our enemy in this battle is the same one who showed up to Adam and Eve that day in the garden. Satan wants nothing more than for us to isolate ourselves from God and and others. Grant mentioned it so well in that video. He's a really remarkable young man. We are so grateful to have him on staff. Satan wants nothing more than to isolate us, but our Heavenly Father wants to redeem and restore our relationships He wants to put them back together to the way that they were intended to be. And we see this desire play out in the life and ministry of Jesus. Jesus is fully God and fully human. There's there's no one who had a relationship with the Father like Jesus did since the time that Adam did before the fall. And yet the very first thing that Jesus did was surround himself with community. Fully aware, fully aware of the rejection and the pain that it would cause. And I think anytime we put ourselves in relationship with others, we are making ourselves vulnerable to rejection and pain. And Jesus stepped into that with us, and he stepped into that for us. He shared life with his disciples. He ate with them. He laughed with them. He cried with them. He walked through the highs and the the lows with them, not because he needed their help, but because he desired community just like they did, just like we do. And he knew the danger of isolation and all that it can do to us physically and emotionally and and spiritually. And, And so he surrounded himself with others. And when the church was born in Acts chapter 2, which if you have a Bible, go ahead and and turn there with me. Acts chapter 2. 
When the, when the church was born, they modeled that type of community with one another that they had seen in Jesus. The book of Acts is the story of the early church led by the Holy Spirit, revealing Jesus to the world, including this new community that he invites us into. I was talking with a gentleman this morning during the eight o'clock service who recently lost his wife tragically and, and unexpectedly. And I was asking him how he was doing. He said, Sean, I am so grateful for this church and how my life group and friends and just the church has come alongside during this just difficult time. And he said, not only has it been a blessing to me, but my neighbors keep asking me, who are all of these people that are coming by? And he gets to tell them, it's my church family. And so not just in the book of Acts, but, but us still today, we get to show who Jesus is and what he's like in the community that he invites us into. The gospel, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, it calls us out of darkness and into light. It calls us out of death and into life. It, it calls us out of isolation and shame and into relationship with others. And we see this beautifully portrayed in Acts chapter 2. If you've been a follower of Jesus for a while, you're probably very well aware of this text. If you're not, maybe this is your first time to church, you're exploring faith. Man, let me introduce you to what the church is supposed to look like. We see it here, Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles' All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And look what it says here in verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. But it doesn't stop there. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, did you notice where the church gathers in verse 46? It says that they met together in the temple courts before church buildings and, and all of this. This was the closest thing that they were getting to like corporate large worship gatherings like we do every Sunday. But it didn't stop there. They would gather with the church family to hear from God's word, but then they would go into homes and they would break bread together. And I think that means so much more than they just shared a meal with one another. I think it's this picture of rich, life-giving community that they shared. And so they gathered for worship and then they met in their homes to talk about and to pray and to discuss and to grow in their faith together. They connected with one another. And so that's why the first two parts of our strategy as a church is worship gatherings and connect groups. We want to gather for worship like we talked about last Sunday because it is vital to our faith. We spur one another on. We encourage one another. But we also connect in groups because it's when we take this place that can be big and feel impersonal and we can localize it into a smaller group, into people that we can know and be known by, that we can share 
life with. And nearly every day of the week, we have some kind of connect group meeting, whether it's men's group or women's group or couples groups. And I could spend all day talking about why these connect groups are so important, but just a few things as as we wrap up here this morning. First, connect groups help us live out our faith with one another. And here's the thing, we cannot fully live out our faith in isolation. We cannot fully live out our faith apart from one another. Scripture is written out of community, to community, for community. If we try to live out our faith in isolation, there are large parts of Scripture that we cannot put into practice. For instance, the phrase one another appears 59 times in Scripture. The Bible gives us 59 ways that we are to relate to each other as we live out our faith. And and so we are to love one another. We are to instruct one another. We are to encourage one another. We are even to forgive one another. And we are to spur one another on, like we looked at last week, towards love and good deeds. We cannot put these verses into practice apart from intentional, close relationship with others. Connect groups help us live out our faith. We sharpen each other. And Paul says, and Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 4.15, we will speak the truth in love to one another. We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. We need others to speak the truth of God in love to us to make us more like Jesus and others need us to do the same for them. And so connect groups help us live out our faith. Connect groups also help us encourage one another. Again, we can be encouraged by one another when we gather in a large group like this, but man, there is nothing like the encouragement that you get sitting down face-to-face with others, sharing what you're going through in life knowing that you don't walk alone. There's a famous hill on the campus of the University of Virginia. Uh, the, the incline of this hill is 26 degrees, which might not sound like a lot, but if you're standing at the bottom of it, looking up, it can be rather daunting. In fact, uh, I, I ride my bike around Bloomington and Monroe County quite a bit, and, and I think the, lar- the, the steepest hill I have encountered in Monroe County uh, is right around 18 degrees. And, and as I was going up that hill, I felt like I was about ready to start rolling backwards on my bike and maybe even fall over. Like, so it's, it's pretty steep. So 26 degrees uh, is, is, is a fairly steep hill. And, and people will oftentimes race to the top and see who can make it there first without running out of breath. And an interesting study was done back in uh, 2008, and they asked people to stand at the bottom of the hill and look up and guess what the incline was. And what they found was, was really interesting. The people who stood at the bottom of the hill looking up overestimated how steep the hill was. This 26 degree Slope to them seemed like 35, 40, 45, some of the answers. They way overestimated how steep the hill looked. And to them, thinking about climbing the hill by themselves felt harder than it actually was. And here's the thing, and you may already know where I'm going to go with this. Whenever a group of friends were asked to guess how steep it was, whenever there was, there was multiple people together and they asked, how steep do you think that hill is? They significantly under 
estimated the slope. They, they looked at it together thinking it was easier than what it actually was. And the study concluded that everything looks easier when there's a friend by your side. And that doesn't mean that it's going to be easier. It just means that you encourage one another. You put courage inside of the others that we're going to tackle this hill and we're not going to do it alone. That's why we need community. Finally, groups help us realize that we are not alone. C.S. Lewis once said about friendships and, and how they started, he, he said the, the typical expression of opening friendship would be something like this. What? You too? <laughs> I thought I was the only one. You find someone like that? I mean, I promise you, a friendship is going to be born. Sharing life with others helps us see that we are not alone. Oftentimes, in connect groups, people realize that they're not the only ones who have ever struggled with doubt. They're not the only ones who have ever gone through a season in life where they just didn't feel like praying or reading the Bible, maybe even dealing with some anger or resentment towards God. In connect groups, people have realized that they're not the only ones who uh, haven't quite measured up as a father or a spouse, dropped the ball at times. They're not the only ones who put on a good face on Sunday, but deeply struggle through the week. And connect groups help us realize that we are not alone. They give us a chance to live out Galatians 6.2 where Paul says, carry one another's burdens. And those things can feel heavy sometimes, but groups Give us a chance to lighten someone else's load as they lighten our load as well. So that's why connect groups are such an important part of our ministry strategy. They help us live out our faith. They give us a chance to encourage one another, be encouraged. And they give us people to run this race with, carry burdens with so we don't carry them alone. And if you want to take your next step and join a connect group, we've got Plenty of options for you. Our, our spiritual formation team would love to help you find your people and find your place. You can email them at connect at socc.org and someone will get together with you this week to help plug you into a life-giving group. So we believe that finding your people changes everything. It's how God designed us, both in and for community. Connection groups aren't, aren't just about getting together to have more friends. They are about people showing up when life is the hardest. They become the family that you choose, not just the family that you're born into. They, they are people who are a steady presence of empathy and care, who give you the courage to look out beyond yourself to serve and care for others. And this type of community changes everything. Life is messy. It is hard sometimes. But it does not have to be lonely. Find your people. Connect in a group. Let us help you. We were created to be in relationship with others. And the greatest relationship that we can have is with Jesus who modeled this relationship for us. 
Our standing before God will will never come down to some kind of morality resume, this, this list detailing all the good that we've done and all the bad that we avoided. The only thing that matters is your relationship with Jesus. And the truth is, is that none of us are worthy to stand before a holy God, which is why our standing comes down to him. And if you want to take steps into that relationship with Christ. And we want to help you today. Jim's going to come up and share how you can respond. If you want to take steps into relationship with others who are following after Jesus too, let us help you in that as well. Let me pray and we'll move into a time of response. God, thanks for your, your word. Thank you for the community that you have invited us into, that you have modeled for us. And Lord, I know, I, I know that there are people in here right now that have been hurt by others. All of us have. And it sometimes makes us just afraid to, to be vulnerable, to be transparent, to be real with others. We just, we don't want to experience that pain again. It's hard. We live with walls up. God, would you please, by your grace, tear those walls down. Surround us with a grace-filled community that can love us, that can come alongside of us, that we can love and come alongside of, and that we can be a part of forming each other more and more into the image of Jesus as your spirit is working in us and through us. Lord, we cannot do it alone. We were never meant to. We weren't designed to. And so, Lord, I pray that, that today, if there is someone who's feeling isolated, who's feeling alone, maybe who feels like they are about ready to give up, Lord, surround them with their people and may it change everything for them. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.